quite ready to jump into the to the gospel stories of the Christmas story, but we're going to talk about the Christmas story this morning, but we're going to do it from John chapter 1. We're going to look at the first four verses there as we kick off Advent. And today we're beginning Advent. Today is the first Sunday, so Advent is always four Sundays in uh, in the month of December to prepare our hearts and lives for for the coming of Christ, and we're focusing on what makes Jesus unique today. That's the whole idea of the candle. That's the whole idea of this service is to understand what makes Jesus unique amongst all men. You know, uh, wealth makes people unique. Power makes people unique. Family lineage makes people unique. Uh, but Jesus is unique for a very special reason, a very different reason than all of those worldly ones. John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, the Bible says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. Can I hear an amen this morning? Amen. Father, we thank You for Your Word. Not only the written Word, but the Word that You sent into this world to rescue us. We thank You, Lord. Father, for loving us so much that you would send your Son to us because we cannot reach up to you. He is our bridge. He is our, our means of gaining relationship with you. And so that's why we proclaim him on Sundays. We want other people to come to know him as their King, their Savior. And so, Father, today as we look at your word, we hear about your word who came 2,000-some years ago. We, Father, want to have that fresh in our own hearts. Lord, we need to be revived. We need to be strengthened in our faith. We need to be encouraged, Lord, to uh, to follow you, to follow Jesus more and more. And, and Father, we pray that you will bring more people to the church. You'll bring more people to your church, whether it's this one or the one, one across town or, or wherever, to Bible-believing churches, that you'll begin to bring more people into your kingdom through your Son, through the message of him who is the word. So today as I speak, as I share the message you gave me, Father, I pray you would guide and direct my thoughts, my mind, my heart. I pray that I will honor and glorify you with all that I say and do, and that, Father, your people, your church, would be strengthened and edified and encouraged to go out into the world and be your people, Father, in this world. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for my salvation. And I pray, Father, that you'll bless us all in Jesus' name. Amen. The world wants to make Christmas about anything and everything but Jesus, right? The world wants to make Christmas about buying gifts, spending money, going on trips. It wants to make Christmas about everything but Jesus. However, that baby who was born in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago was the long-awaited Christ, our Savior and King, the one we sang about at the beginning of our service, our Savior and our King. Now, Christ is actually a title. We use it as a name, but it's actually a title. It means anointed one. It means anointed one or chosen one. The Bible tells us that Jesus was anointed or chosen to be the Savior of the world. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 and 19, here's what we read. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, he was chosen before the creation of the world, 
but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Amen. So as we focus on Jesus this Christmas season, and that's what Advent is all about. It's focusing on Jesus. Now, as we were setting things up this Tuesday night, and I put out the manger, one of the boys asked, well, we've we got to have Jesus there. And I said, no, we're not ready yet. This is to remind us that Jesus is coming. Right? That's what Advent means, the coming. And it's the first coming. He first came into this world 2,000 years ago. So we're not ready quite yet to have baby Jesus in the manger. Another thing I want to share with you, though, real quickly, is that there's another Advent that's going to come someday. Someday Jesus Christ is going to come back into this world, not as a baby, not as a Savior, but as a king, as a judging king, as a redeeming king, again as a saving king of his people, of his kingdom. That's who we're talking about. So as we focus on Jesus this year, we need to remember that while Jesus was born to an ordinary young woman, he didn't have an earthly father. Jesus was born divine. Jesus was always divine. The divine became flesh. That is something that's hard for people to wrap their minds around. Isn't it true? That God would come into this world in the flesh to save us. That's hard to, to grasp unless you know the whole story of Jesus' life. And once you know the whole story of Jesus' life, it all makes sense. Stop and think about what happened on Christmas Day 2,000 years ago. A young girl who was still a virgin gave birth to a baby through the work of the Holy Spirit in her. She was willing to surrender herself to God's will and let Him work in her. Do we do that? Are we doing that? I hope so. I, I need to do that myself more. But He allowed her to do that. That too is part of the Christmas story. There is a human element in the Christmas story. And we're going to talk about those people as well. But who that baby was didn't become obvious until he grew up and fulfilled his, his Father's will, fulfilled his purpose for coming. Jesus' divinity is a core belief of the Christian faith. That Jesus Christ is divine, his core belief. It always has been and always will be. The baby born in Bethlehem was both human and divine. But that baby of Bethlehem had a divine purpose. And that's what makes Jesus so unique. When John wrote his gospel, he didn't talk about Jesus' birth, the birth story like Matthew and Mark do. He didn't talk about that. And he didn't talk about John the Baptist the way Mark does in his gospel either. But all of John's gospel from the beginning to the very end points us to Jesus' divinity. If you read about John, if you read through John's gospel, you'll see he's constantly going back and reminding the reader, reminding us that Jesus is very unique, that He is divine, that He had the, has these powers that nobody else has. In these first four verses, John describes Jesus for who He really is. Let's look at these first four verses. Hope you have your outline ready. Get it out and ready. Get a pen ready. Number one, before Jesus was born, He was. He existed. He was. Look at verse 1 and 2 with me. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Does that kind of stumble around in your mouth when you read that? Well, it shouldn't. Read it slowly. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Yeah. He was with God in the beginning. Unlike Matthew and Mark, like I said, John doesn't begin his gospel with Jesus' birth story. And he doesn't talk about John the Baptist either. 
John the Baptist, by the way, was born to reveal who Jesus was or is. He begins by referring to Jesus as the Word. The language John used to write his gospel was not American English. It was New Testament Greek of his day. It was first century Greek language. And in the Greek, our English word, word, is translated as logos. We sometimes think of symbol or a sign. That doesn't quite capture it the way John wants us to capture it, though. John always used the word Greek word logos when he referred to Jesus as being divine. John 1, verse 14, look at it. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father full of grace and truth. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only. If there's only one God, and Jesus is the, through who we see the glory of God, and he came from the Father God, what does that say about Jesus? That he is God. That he's divine. We don't hear that word very much either, do we? The word divine. I went to a divinity school. That doesn't make me God. Doesn't even make me holy, to be quite honest. But John is very clear in describing the original origins, the eternal origins of Jesus. John is saying that Jesus is God. Wake up, folks. Jesus is God, he says. So when Jesus was, was born, the divine became flesh. How does that happen? God, who is spirit, who is everywhere and can do anything, confines himself to a body like mine. That's an amazing thought, and yet he did it. In Colossians 1, verse 19, Paul said, the very same thing, Colossians 1.19. For God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in Him. When he says His fullness, he means His divinity, His Godhood. His Godhood. All that power, all that authority, all that might, all that strength dwells in Jesus too, because He's God. To understand the Christian faith, we must first understand who Jesus is. Jesus is not just another man like me. He's not uh, another god amongst the gods. There aren't no there are there are no gods. There is simply God, singular. And almost all the New Testament writers refer to Jesus in some way as being eternal and divine being. This means there's never been a time when Jesus did not exist. If he is from the beginning and before creation, there's never been a time when Jesus did not exist because there's never been a time when God didn't exist. God is eternal. You go all the way back in history, past history beginning, and there's God, and there's Jesus. And if God has always existed, Jesus has always existed, therefore, Jesus has to be logically God. So God came to this world to save us. Think about that. God came to this world to move your heart to accept Jesus Christ. If you've received Christ as your Savior, Lord, God moved your heart to do that. He opened up your heart so that you could understand at least enough about Jesus and God to accept Christ as your Savior and King. Isn't that amazing? That He would come to this world, this fallen world, that Jesus Christ, that God Himself, would leave the glories of heaven, at least partially in some way, to be born in this world, this fallen, dark world, this crazy world that we live in. Why? Because we cannot save ourselves. We cannot redeem ourselves. We cannot improve ourselves. You, know, you can buy all the makeup you want. You can buy, you can guys, you can go to the to the gym and work out seven days a week. 
You can change your body and make it all muscle. Ladies, you can put all that makeup on, make yourself totally beautiful, but really inside we're all the same, aren't we? We, have it. we can change our outward appearance, but we cannot change ourselves. We cannot get to God without Jesus Christ. That's why He was born 2,000 years ago. So when the world tries to make Christmas about anything but Jesus Christ, you shouldn't accept that. You shouldn't. Why should you? Because if Jesus is taken out of Christmas, well, what's the reason for celebrating it, right? So we as Christians should never accept this idea of Christmas just being a secular holiday. It's not. It's much more than that. The wonder of Christmas is not that a baby was born. A lot of babies were born that day. There are a lot of boys, boys and girls who were born that day, but that a very unique baby was born that day. But before that baby was born, the baby of Bethlehem already was. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, all the way back. But just in case we don't quite understand, just quite, can't quite wrap our, our brain around who Jesus is yet, John goes further. He goes a little deeper. Look what he says in verse 3. Before Jesus was born, he created everything that's been created. Before he was born, he was creator. Verse 3, through him, meaning the word, meaning Jesus Christ, through him all things were made without him nothing was made that has been made. Now, why does John say it that way? Because he wants us to understand that Jesus is the creator, that God is the creator, and that nothing that was made was made by somebody else. It was simply made by God. Now, man has taken things and made things out of things. But we have nothing original, really, of our own to make something. We have to take something else to make something else. That's not what we're talking about. That's not the type of creation. That's recreation. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Once more, John is being very clear about the identity of the baby of Bethlehem. Jesus is the creator. To be Creator, you have to be divine. You have to be God, right? Amen? Yeah. That God is the creator, the author of all things that are created, that have been created, is a very basic, another very basic teaching of the Bible and the Christian faith. As Christians, we believe the creator made this world we live in. Everything, the mountains, the sky, the moon, the stars, all the planets, the entire universe, and every universe that exists. Genesis 1 verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So the Bible says when he creates the heavens and the earth, he means everything outside of earth and everything on earth, and earth itself as well. That whatever lives on earth, whatever exists on earth, exists because God created it. And Jesus was right there involved with every bit of it. And in Isaiah 40, verse 26, the Bible says, Lift your eyes and look to heaven, to the heavens. Who created all these? He asks. He who brings out the starry hosts one by one and calls them each by name. Have you ever thought of all the millions and trillions and jillions and zillions of stars that are in the sky? God made each and every one, placed them in that exact place. He even calls them their own name. That's an amazing thought there. We just see stars, but God sees his creation. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Nothing is missing that God doesn't want to be missing. That's an amazing thing, too. So this baby of Bethlehem created the world he was born into. 
He created the, the planet Earth. He put the water here, the trees here, the animals here. He even created His own mother. Have you thought about that? He even created His own mother. In Colossians 1, verse 16, it says so. The Bible says so. For by Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by Him and for Him. So Jesus, knowing that He was going to be born into this body of flesh, knew He would need a mother. So He created Mary, a young girl, prepared her for that, that role that she would fulfill, that purpose for her. A young girl, simple young girl, God had a purpose for her. What is your purpose? Do you know? Have you thought about that? What is... What did God create you for? He did. He created you for something. He didn't create you to be Billy Graham because he already made a Billy Graham. He didn't create you to be... Uh, just think of any person. He created you to be you. And He created you for a purpose and a reason like He did Mary. And He saved you for that very same purpose. Isn't that an amazing thought? Christmas is such a bigger story than we often think. Christmas is not a secular holiday. It's not like Father's Day or Labor Day or Fourth of July. It's a religious holiday. It has spiritual meaning, eternal meaning. So if Christ is taken out of Christmas, there's nothing left to celebrate, is there? Nothing. I mean, we could buy gifts any day of the week, any, any time of the year, birthdays, anniversaries, just because we want to buy a gift. We don't need Christmas for gifts, but yet Christmas is here because it's not about gifts, even though we give them. It's about that baby who was born in Bethlehem. Christmas for many people is a happy time. I admit it wasn't for a long time. It wasn't for me a very happy time. It was hard at Christmas time because I wasn't part of an ordinary family that got together. But God brought Anna and I together and we had children and now they're having children, and, and, and it's been a happy time for me for a long, long time. I remember Christmas. Uh, I hated to get up early on Christmas Day. <laughs> you know, you work all week, and then you have to get up super early because the kids are up early, and they want to open up presents. And so you go out there, and you're drinking coffee, and you're trying to, trying to maintain. And <laughs> but it was fun for the kids, and it was, I loved watching them. I, Ann and I loved buying them stuff. And just we loved blessing them because they were a blessing to us. Then they became teenagers and things changed. I don't know. But um, now they're grown up and we have these little ones again. So that's wonderful. It, it's, it's a special holiday. But for some people, the holidays can be difficult. You know, it seems like the loss of a loved one is most keenly felt at Christmas, isn't it? Yeah. It's hard sometimes because there's people missing around the table or, or in the living room. This is the reason why we have to focus on Jesus. This is why we have to focus on Christ during Christmas. He, he really is the reason for the season. He is the source of joy the world is looking for. And believe me, folks, the world is looking for joy. They, they got drunk last night looking for joy. They got high last night or this morning looking for joy. But they can't find it on their own. Someone once said that everybody would be happier at Christmas if we, did le if we cut costs and revive the reverence. Don't you think that's true? If we learn to cut costs a little bit and just revive the reverence for the reason why we celebrate Christmas, it would be a much happier 
holiday. We can experience joy and happiness at Christmas time. We really can. We do that by focusing on Christ because what of John because what John said. Point number three, before Jesus was born, he was already our light in our life. Look at verse four. I really like verse four. I think you will too. John says, in him, meaning the word, meaning Jesus, was life. And that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Isn't that true? Isn't that true? The, the unbelieving world doesn't understand this, this life, this light. Light chases away darkness. Light, light and, and darkness cannot coexist. All there can be is some shadows. But shadows and darkness is not the same thing. Light not only brightens up the world, it brings light and brightens up our lives. Isn't that true? That, that there is something about winter, isn't there? Because we have reduced amount of light and we're, we're sadder during the winter. But when we get more light, we can get more vitamin D and we feel better. There really is something about light in our human condition. Light chases away darkness. It shows the way to go. That's one of my prayers when I pray every morning. I ask God, shine more light in my life. I need to know how to follow you. I need to know where to go, where I'm supposed to, what I'm supposed to be doing. I need you to do this for me. So I ask him to shine more of his light into my life. Because this is a world that's often filled with a lot of shadows, a lot of shadows of doubt, difficulties, shadows of the unknown and of fear, shadows that make us question basic truths. Like, is there really a God? A lot of people are wrestling with that question, have been for a long time, and they've given up on the answer. They don't believe God exists. We do. Amen. I certainly do. We also ask ourselves, does God love me? This is something even Christians can wrestle with. Does God really love me? And if so, why am I going through this? And if we just look at our problem, we will question why, if God does love us, why we're doing, why we're going through these things we're going through. But if we focus on Jesus, the light of God will shine in our life. And brighten up our life. When Jesus was born, he brought a light to this world that the world hadn't seen since the very beginning of creation. Do you remember what God created first? Do you remember in Genesis 1, verse 3? And God created light. And the Bible says, and there was light. I like that, don't you? I like the plain simplicity of the statement. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. That's power. That's power. That's strength. That's mightiness. So as we go through the season this year, as we go through Advent together, we're going to learn more about the light that burst out in that night that Jesus was born, how it affected the people around it, around him. It was a special light. It was God's light, and it caught the attention of people like Joseph and shepherds and others as well. And the wise men too. Don't forget that. But Jesus brought more than light with him that day when he was born. He also brought life. Life. Something that very few people know about today. Mankind's greatest problem is not crime. It's not poverty. It's not uh, ignorance. Our greatest problem is that we really aren't living in a relationship with God. That's our biggest problem. I look around at Lawrence in, in America, in the world, and I think, the problem is that people are not living in relationship with their Creator. Because if they were, they would be different. They would change. They would be made different. They would be re reborn. Our lives are limited by our sinfulness, even Christians. 
We limit ourselves by our sinfulness. Sin holds us back from truly living the way God intended us to live, the way He created us to live. In Colossians chapter 2.13, the Bible says, When you were dead in your sins and in uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. If you're forgiven today, you need to live. You need to live in your relationship with God. You need to live in relationship with Christ. If you're redeemed today, if you're following Christ today, you need to keep walking in the light of God as He shines it into your life. Forgiven is how God wants us to live. Forgiven is how God wants you to live. Being forgiven means you're right with your Creator. And it doesn't matter what you've done. He will forgive you if you seek Christ, if you respond to Jesus. And that's why Jesus was born, so that you could finally live the life God created you to live. And this is why Jesus talks so much about life. And John recorded so many statements that Jesus said about life like this. John 3, verse 36, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life. And that's so true. It's not hard to understand. John 4.13, he's at the well with the woman. And he says to her, whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Jesus is all about life. He's not about death. In John 5, verse 21, for just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so even the Son gives life to whom He's pleased to give it to. Wow. Are you redeemed? Are you saved? Is your faith in Christ? Guess what? He was pleased to give you salvation. I'm so glad, aren't you? John 10.10, 10, I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. He just doesn't want us to live this life of 65, 70, 80, 90 years and die. He wants us to live it to our full, to our fullness, our best life. Like they say today, my, my daughter-in-law says, your best life now. I'm living my best life now. Well, we find that in, in who? Through Jesus Christ. In our relationship with Him. In John 11, verse 25 and 26, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever believes in me will never die. Do you want eternal life? You can only get that through Jesus Christ. Angelican theologian, author J.I. Packer, talked about Christmas. And uh, he might have been an Angelican, but he was really a good Christian. Listen to what he said. The message of Christmas is there is hope. There's hope for humanity, hope of pardon, hope of peace with God, hope of glory, because at the Father's will, Jesus Christ became poor. He was born in a stable, so 30 years later, he might hang on a cross. That's why Jesus was born. Because He redeems us, He saves us through His blood and His body. That He died on that cross. That He sacrificed for our sins in our place. That's what Christmas is all about. And that's what the baby in Bethlehem teaches us again. Our invitation song today is Amazing Grace. How sweet this sound. This song was written by a man who was separated from God by his sin, but he was redeemed and reborn through Jesus Christ. And because of that, of his new life, he wrote this song that we're going to sing. He was reconciled to God through Christ. Jesus Christ forgave his sins and became his Savior and King. If he hasn't done that for you yet, I would urge you today, it's not too late for you, 
come forward and do that as well. Maybe you need to come pray with somebody. You have, you have no one to pray with. I'd be glad to pray with you. Or maybe you've been coming here for a while and God says, look, I want you to join this church family. Be part of my work here. Part of your purpose is to serve God here with us. Let's stand and pray as we get ready to sing. Father, as we... Um,